0: Hey everybody, this is Filmin' In Between. This is the very first podcast. This is your host, Garrett Marks, and I'm just super excited to be launching this. Filmin' In Between is a podcast where we interview individuals in the film community. From directors, to cinematographers, to producers, editors, composers, visual effects artists, and many more. The goal of this podcast is to share these individual stories who are not only super talented at their craft, but live amazing lives. I think as an artist, we're always looking to grow, always looking to learn. Personally, one of the biggest things that I crave is community. So I think the more we're able to talk and hear other people's stories, and the trials and victories that they've gone through as people that have made them the people they are today, can empower us to walk into who we're called to be. I'm super excited to hear all these people's stories and share them with you. And it's just gonna be an amazing journey. So thank you so much for joining us. So today we are here with Nick McLean. This is the first podcast, and I'm just so excited um, for him to be the first one to do this with. And uh, he's an amazing director of photography, cinematographer, and he's just a dear friend of mine and just such an amazing person and uh, super talented. So um, so I'm just fortunate to have him here uh, with us and doing this. So um, how are you doing today, Nick?
1: I'm doing good. I just got out of the water.
0: nice we had
1: really good waves at home here today so i'm in good spirits (laughs) cool awesome
0: so yeah i kind of wanted to just start off and kind of get to know you get to know your past so where did you where did you grow up
1: so well first of all thanks thanks for having me on this this is awesome i I appreciate it this is pretty rad um so yeah i mean i grew up in in maryland uh right outside of washington dc in a little town called frederick and uh yeah, eighteen years I lived there. Um and then yeah, I moved to the Outer Banks uh after I graduated high school and did um I did my schooling, you know, in the uh falls and, and winters up in Baltimore, Maryland, uh and lived out on the outer banks in the summers, just waiting tables, just had a summertime job and Surfing and just falling in love with living at the beach. Um, but yeah, I moved to the Outer Banks of North Carolina uh, when I was 18. And pretty much this has been my home since then. And I'm sadly enough, I'm 40 this year. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh,
1: man. So talk to me about how you're first introduced to film and how you fell in love with it. Well, for me, photography was kind of my introduction to just imagery. My dad well, it's a huge influence on me. He had an old Nikon film camera that he always had around. It was the Nikon FE. And he handed that to me when I was a kid. I, I was probably 10 years old and uh, gave me some film and, and allowed me to, to shoot. I had an old 24 Prime um, that basically I shot everything on. And then I had an old Nikkor Zoom and just fell in love with composition and framing. And there were times where I couldn't afford film as a kid. I didn't have access to it sometimes. And so I literally would just shoot still pictures with no film in the camera. Because I just love the sound of the shutter. I love composing things and taking it with me to places. And That's kind of awesome. just going off by myself and shooting. So photography was, was where I really fell in love with, um, with imagery. And, and then, uh, again, my dad, to his credit, he brought home like a really high end video camera in 19, it was 1988. Um, and it was, he went to Guam on a trip and he came back with like, it was like an $1,800 home video camera for at the time. That's, that's pretty high end. It had all these wipes dissolves and black and white effects like kind of before that was common speak to have those on video cameras. And me and my friends just took that and started making skate videos together. We were doing skits, just like your typical, Just grom excitement to have a video camera. I was the kid on the block that had the camera. That's Um, awesome. Yeah, so we just started there. It was very playful. There was no intention to make a career out of it. It was just me enjoying imagery and having fun with my friends.
0: Yeah, so when did, like, so you were doing that. So, like, when did you kind of realize, like, you wanted to do film full time and, like, have
1: this be your career? Well, for me, I mean, I didn't really. I guess there's never been a time where I didn't think that I was going to do this because once I fell in love with it, I was just always doing it. I didn't necessarily have a defined plan. In fact, most of my life I spent frustrated not knowing how I was going to have a career in it, living where mm-hmm. I lived and just being you know, in, in a remote place like the Outer Banks eventually. Um, so it's always been in my heart knowing, since literally since I was like 12 years old, that I was going to do this um, because I was already doing it. Um, I just didn't know how I was going to make a career out of it. Like a lot of, a lot of people in the industry will
0: say, yeah, if you do film, you need to move to LA, you need to move to New York, which are really, which is a great thing, but kind of talk about your journey of why you and your family have chosen to live in the Outer Banks and why it's really important for you guys to be there.
1: So I, I traveled to California, um, a handful of times uh you know i'd start i actually lived out there for a while in newport beach and i'd been around la a little bit and i saw southern california i started developing really close friendships with people in encinitas cardiff um just all around uh southern california um and so i started to really see by spending lots of time out there that that i really loved it and i, I had my heart set on moving to California. Mm. And then one, it was funny, one guy who moved to the Outer Banks, uh, that's my friend Raz, he had, he's actually, um, I think he was repping for a company, Audio at the time. Um, He owns On a Mission right now, that surf company OAM. He ended up moving to the Outer Banks and became my roommate. And he was from the West Coast. And he came here and he saw how much community was here. Mm. He loved the people. He was like, this is amazing what you have here. And he said to me, it actually changed my heart on the whole idea of me thinking I had to go to the West Coast. I've got to get there. That's where the industry is. That's where, that's where like, my like-minded people are. That's, that's it. He said to me, he goes, why do you want to go there and be a small fish in the big ocean when you can be a big fish in a small ocean here in this community, in this area? And it was really poignant at the time. I just I just some for some reason Garrett just like resonated with me and I just felt it. I was like, okay, I I think I need to push pause on this idea of thinking I have to go out there. But then I was like, well, what am I gonna do for a career living in this little salty town? How am I gonna meet a girl in this town? Like how am I gonna find a wife here? Like this is the saltiest <laughs> little, you know, no place for a career. So so anyways, I just kind of like push pause on that pressure and and as I developed in my career and as i started doing more documentary work and television work i started making connections in all those places and fast forward like 10 years of my career of continuing to to build friendships and doing productions i found that i don't need to leave this place that i love i can i have friends that live in san diego florida and the northeast and you know some in the midwest and texas now like I can go work wherever I want now, and the industry's changed where you know d p s and and other you know kind of specialty people that come in on the set they can they come from all over um and so you don't need to live where you work, and a lot of times the really good productions you go on you're always flying to them anyway, so it has worked out, and I've successfully been able to stay and play like where i love and then and then do very little work here and then travel for it
0: that's so cool, no that's really good kind of going into the type of projects that you really love to be a part of like what what type of stories are you gravitated towards and and why is that
1: well I think every five years that answer changes yeah for me it really has I mean I can tell you right right now I'm kind of I feel like I'm in an in-between stage I feel like in another year or so I'll, I'll probably land on a little bit more but f- I feel like right now the the, the stories that I gravitate towards, are the ones that have grit. They have passion. They are, um, I don't know, deep. Some something about like maybe the human condition. Things, uh, topics that are honest, where people are being completely raw and honest. Yeah. Uh, and and that could be, that could just be visual too. That could be visual mis- imagery that's that's very just just uh, I don't know, not forced and genuine, whatever that means. So I really feel like authenticity. Whatever that means, either if it's just a visual or an aesthetic that's honest, or whether it be the content, you know, that a director is, you know, holding the line on, uh, and me kind of assisting that being a part of that, that vision that he or she has, is those are the ones that I love. I love the, I love actually projects with a purpose. I just, I hate phoniness. I love having genuine, real relationship with other people. Um, something I'm really big on, even in production. It's kind of an odd business structure i have or people i work with i usually develop pretty close friends with them yeah and we hold on to our friendship sometimes almost more than the business um but i do value that you know actually professionally which can get in the way sometimes you know you gotta yeah be sure.
0: but the, i do have to say like you are you are so loyal and just it i don't you're just very loyal to just your team to everybody you work with and it really it really shows like it really pays off i think because it creates trust, you know? It creates trust with the people you work with, your friends, and um, I think that's what's so amazing about you, it's really cool.
1: I find that I spend so much time away from home. I'd rather have like real relationship with you know, a handful of people and develop those and nurture those. I think that that synergy, like, carries over into the creative too, because if you have a sense of respect for other people and other roles on set, you're gonna do better work, you're you're gonna feel a little bit, I don't know, just comfortable in your own shoes to just you know be be trusted for for the decisions you have to make, and I don't know, I I just feel like that sets the tone for a better, actually like a better product, a better experience. Um, and this is such a small industry that as a freelancer, which I am, you're you're kind of only as good as your last job, and you're also <laughs> you need to leave like a good experience for other people that you know. It needs to be fun to work with whoever you're around. At least for me, it is. I mean, I, I think that that's that's important to me to to leave a you know a, a, a good aroma when I leave a, you know a, a place that she'd be like, man, that was fun. I like working with Nick. It's great. Let's do that again. <laughs> totally. So
0: maybe if you could kind of talk to us about maybe some of the struggles and challenges in your own life that have kind of grown you as a person and kind of gave you this desire to tell these type of authentic heartfelt stories that um really impact people like where where does that come from
1: man i guess for me um when i was younger the just the idea of having faith in my life was was really big i you know at a young age strangely enough i i like i thought about eternity i I thought the reality of hey i'm gonna die someday i should think about what this life should look like because i know it's going to end at some point so like i was always in some way, I'm like spiritually minded person, even as like a teenager. So for me, that's just like personally who I am. So I'm a person that like does care about my path and my journey and where I'm at. And I actually care about others too. I I, I love to see where other people are also learning and, and having a good experience and, and whether good or bad, learning from that. I think the thing that's most poignant for me as of late, of the past like four or five years, there's been a huge shift and transition in my life was when my brother-in-law, Josh, my, 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 excuse me, my, my wife's younger brother, he's 24, he passed away from an accidental heroin overdose. Um, and my, my wife and I, her family, and, and all our close friends, this community and just so many other people, but especially my, my immediate my family, my in-laws, were just devastated. And I, I've had to go through seeing what like, real grieving looks like and it's it's raw, and it has definitely changed me for the better, and given me compassion that I didn't know I would ever have, um, nor did I want. Um, I think it's just maybe peeled back some of the blinders for a kid that's always been, you know, me. I've just been always optimistic, glasses always half full, but just like a happy-go-lucky guy, and and I've had to endure the process of uh, grieving and losing someone w- well before their time. Um, and, and to see what that looks like is, is man, is challenging. Yeah. And, and I think that that is kind of, I think it's, it's, it's actually been a really good thing um, for me as a professional, for me as a person, for me as a husband, uh, hopefully as a friend. Um, and I think just having grace and compassion on people is what it's taught me um you know and I, so I think that's that has been really poignant I think like just going through that you know has been something that's really affected me as of late and that's wanted me to do more projects that are sensitive to people that are hurting or mm-hmm. somehow just get you know be a part of a project that that like is about having open honest dialogue but you also need to treat people like they're human because they really care about your schedule and your 12 hour day and what lens your choice you're going to use and <laughs> I don't care about like the fill that you need in overhead so it's just like dude I don't care about that yeah
0: know? that's interesting well it's yeah it's funny because, I mean thanks for sharing about that I appreciate that um but it's it's like trying to trying to kind of create those moments it's like you're trying to make something cinematically beautiful like you're saying with lighting and different things but you're also trying to create the space for people to be open and it's kind of it's a fine line as a filmmaker don't you think
1: yeah you you have to like i always tell like i I get to speak at different engagements with with like in college kids at times and i always tell kids scoot back Hmm. most people shoot with like a 24 like i did when i was a kid (laughs) or even a 50 they go to their their go-to 50 always tell them put on an 85 throw on a 135 prime and see what happens it forces you to skip back and you'll find magic you'll get away from your characters Mm -hmm. and and they'll have more space they'll have more authenticity you'll have a compressed aesthetic your background's blown out so you focus on your characters more and anyways I, i i just think that like building a space that's authentic like that 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 platform for the characters to just tell their story whatever that scene needs to be the further you can pull back the crew from that or if you are close you have already gotten to know each other the comfort level is there the trust is there for for, you know for people to be honest um that's that's important i think for a lot of media today because people just see the counterfeit right away
0: that's good and i think it just kind of makes me think like as filmmakers, it's kind of like when we're on set, and those, especially those type of shoots, it's kind of like being able to protect your set. And if that's like, if you have like thirty people on set, it's it's hard to kind of get those moments when you have so many people around. But as a filmmaker, it's like pushing, like you said, it's like maybe maybe taking some people back and and uh, only having like a few people in the room during those moments, you know. So um, yeah.
1: that's, we've done that, Garrett. Yeah, you know, on yeah. those projects, like we've needed some you know, to, to create that space for, for people, you know, I mean, I know you've asked people to like, Hey, let's let's clear out, you know, everybody that doesn't need to be here and thank God now for wireless monitors and for people that can communicate back and forth. And I mean, now it's super common now for all of, you know, the agency, the client, everybody's in video village and you're hearing what they're saying and your AD is communicating to your director. And, you know, it's, it's just like this protected space that the, that the interviewee or the scene, they're not hearing any of it. You know, so that you can become very self-aware and self-conscious. And that's the worst thing you do to somebody is yeah. break your spirit when they're trying to either do an honors performance or they're just, they're just a non-actor that yeah. you need to act for your scene. And, and so you don't expose the guts of the production. But, so I mean, good. Talk to me about why
0: pre-production and scouting is so important for you on the projects you're a part of.
1: Yeah, so I'm, I'm big on that um, for many reasons. One, I, I didn't ever do it <laughs> coming into the, you know, the industry. I was always doing projects with a handful of people or even by, just by myself. And so little pre-production was done. Um, and I've just seen <laughs> how more effective you can be when you're coming in intentional. Um, the importance of scout photos now is just like paramount. To be able to look at a space, conceive it visually before you get there. I mean, you can't – you don't even know what lights to order – if you don't know the space, you need to look, find the available light that's coming in. You need to know uh, which direction you know, your camera's going to be facing, which direction is south, what time of year are you going to be shooting at, where's the north light, what time of day is the sunset, all those things. You need to, you need to really know that if you're going to be a cinematographer that can kind of effectively call out what needs to get done. Uh, but being you know, prepared on the front end, to, to know what your space is going to look like and know the expectations of the mood boards, what the director's vision is, and go over the script, being super familiar with the script, um, I think that's super important.
0: That, that was great, and I think kind of what you're talking about is like when you're on set, it's like you have all this stuff planned, but it's like how do you find the balance of being in the moment and kind of finding those just nuggets uh versus just like if you just stick to the plan, all the shot list, storyboards. What's the balance of that for you?
1: So, coming from documentary where we have an idea and everything we shoot is is supposed to motivate that idea or prove a point or, you know, have a theme embedded in the image. Like most of the time we're looking for that to happen naturally and you have to shoot it, you don't get a second chance. That really trains you as a lensman to look for those things and and to like enjoy it when you actually capture something authentic happening that supports your idea. I think that like having something come up that's not planned is more of an opportunity to incubate your immediate creative response. And those are really fun decisions. Most of the time people get bored on set because they're not being squeezed creatively. They're not being used. And so when it kind of hits the fan, you're like, all right, what do we do? And immediately, I mean, there's such a rare time that I don't automatically just have some idea or some solution in, in some way, visually. Like, I, I know there's just like this instinctual thing that comes out, and that's so fun. So, not to say I like it when things change on set, but I, I'm not afraid of them. It's like, if, hey, we got to, the sun's going down. What do we do? Well, we need to make a sunlight somehow. So, you know, you, you just, you know, you, you start. Coming up with solutions, Hannah. So I don't know. Those are really fun, and I, and I also think authenticity can happen when you steal moments, like the in-between takes. Oh, yep. Those aren't planned, but yep. a lot of times, if you look at the cuts of stuff that and projects I'm a part of, a lot of times those little in-between moments are like get used that I found. <laughs> or, or it's an in-between moment where mm-hmm. like the directors comes up and talks to the talent, and they laugh at something that the, the director said i'll I'll actually anticipate that and I'll just and I'll be rolling on them and we get this amazing like genuine laugh. It was the director that motivated that. It wasn't the you know the, the secondary person on set the other actors it was the director.
0: as a DP on set, how do you balance serving the director's vision and what he's wanting, but also adding your own voice to it and your own style to the project?
1: So I think respecting the director's vision is paramount i think that people do better and all all capacity when they feel supported when they feel respected when they feel like they've got somebody with them beside them and you know agreeing with them but but at the same time being honest with them but ultimately submitting to their 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 vision their visual uh, their vision for a piece um, I feel like my role is to assist and bring out the best of whatever that could be. And so they're usually in sync with each other. You know, I think the instinct that, that the director has and the instinct I have, because we're coming off of either mood boards from, you know, from, from our pre-production, we, we agree with an aesthetic or, you know, for, for a doc setting where we're just being more instinctual, that synergy is already there, uh, I feel like. Um, and and so I think that they'll just support each other. And I mean, I'm kind of an agreeable, agreeable person, but I will speak my mind if I if I feel that way. But ultimately, I just have a lot of respect for what the the director um, has, unless they're not a visual director. It is difficult when you're working with people that they know how to write or they know mm. they know like people, but they don't know aesthetic. At that time, I actually, I mean, I found the value, and I so sort of have they found the value for me some time to. Kind of subdirect a scene yeah. or go in and, and walk them through and explain them the scene, how it could be blocked or an alternative to what they've written or what the shot list says to do an alternate shot so that they have that option in post. So my attitude is always gentle and suggesting. It's never author- authoritative. And, you know, I'm, I, I try to keep a pretty fun, you know, mellow presence on set at all times and, and keeping laughter, you know, like at a high. And I think that like, you know what I mean? That kind of sets the tone for if I've got a yeah. suggestion, I'm, I'm not like fed up, you know, and I'm I'm more like a team player. And so anyways, so I think it is important for me. I do speak my voice, but at the same time I do, you know, submit to whatever the director ultimately wants. Um, but I will speak my mind and give them an audition an idea. And I'll usually preface it, hey, can I audition an idea? I gonna say, hey, yeah, and he might be like, no, I got this, or, you know what I mean? But a lot of times, nine times out of ten, he's like, yeah, what do you think? Because it's, you know, a mutual respect thing. Um, so, yeah, and, and I think the other thing is just the, the timing of things. Like, there might be a really good idea I have, but we just don't have the time. You know, there'll be times, you know what I mean, where you just don't have the real estate. The is like, gotta go. Yeah, you just don't have that yeah. real estate block. It's like we we're guys, you know, we're about to get you know meal penalties. We're over. We're not yep. going to make the day. And what do you do with that, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and unfortunately, it's the director that's going to take the heat. So I try to come up with solutions <laughs> that are quicker, better, faster. That, that can you know ultimately you know achieve what we need for the day. Um, but I mean, that's that's yes. Yeah, so I don't know if that answered your no. Your-
0: that's good. I think like that's why I love working with you because it's very much a collaborative effort and it's like we're kind of bouncing ideas off each other and sometimes we might disagree on things but it's like it's okay to have that or or it's like i might i might have this idea for a shot and you're like you know that just doesn't work and it's like how about you try this like giving options so i think that's what's amazing about you so it's really cool so i had one more question and uh just kind of talking about like a hard work ethic and good attitude and just working with you out of like anybody out of anybody I've ever worked with, you have the best attitude on set. You have the hardest work ethic, and um, when things are stressful and there's a time crunch and people are getting frustrated, and like you, you keep a good attitude and you keep a smile on your face. And doesn't mean maybe you're you might be stressful or not feeling it, but you just you keep a really good attitude on set, and I really appreciate it. Appreciate mm-hmm. that. And I, for me, that's really important for the sets I work on. Like, I love having people who keep a good attitude in the midst of a stressful environment. So, can you kind of talk about why that's so important for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the, the thing I always come back to is, you know, we're, we're people working with other people, yes. and we're shooting people, <laughs> telling people's stories. So we're around. We're just around other other humans, and we need to treat people with respect and. That's you know, synonymous with our industry is, is it as it is if you're in the heating and air conditioning business or you're in the Fortune 500 company wearing a suit all day in New York City. I mean, it's just people talk here. And, and so I think that, that setting a tone of respect and is, is just, is just what, where you, you know, develop a culture of awesomeness and creativity. And, and we're around a lot of artists. You know, there will be anywhere from 15 to 20 people on set that are all individually artists and we're usually temperamental we usually have opinions and we're usually pretty liberal people that might speak our minds um you need to respect that you know it needs to be a, a place where you can cultivate like you know uh togetherness and so i i'm just big on that i love it and i don't know, just i think that that I don't know, even if it's not shared even if there's you know bad apple in the bunch i don't care i'm, I'm going to continue to try to like make this a great experience and, and all of us be creative together and respect our different department heads.
0: That's good. So good. Did you have any other last minute things you wanted to share?
1: And Um, I don't know if, if anybody's listening to this, something that was really helpful to me if, if you're starting out in, in, in production, um, cause I didn't do a traditional route. Uh, f- for me, I think just the, the advice I had to start was to start. And and it sounds super elementary, but the idea was to do your own projects. Like start where you're at. Given what you have, like use those tools. Even if you know you're a film student, you've got like a DSLR and one prime. You can be super effective with just that tool. Or even if you have less than that, you could still do, you know, creative some something that's creative. And I feel like the best way to excel in this industry. Is to continue to a have passion projects to not forget why you're in this in the first place, um, and to do things that you particularly want to do, not necessarily what you're getting paid to do as yeah, a business, good. but do things that you love. And that starts off by starting to do content that you're already passionate about, that you really like, you know, that you're already interested in. Uh, no one needs to convince you or make you do things that you're already like really pumped to do. So do projects on those, whatever you know, industry or sport or you know, topic or, you know, genre that is. Um, just start with, with with doing and starting with what you have. And the progress in your career ends up becoming like this leap pad effect of the people that you meet on those small projects, whether that be kind of your lateral relationships in film school, those will end up being most likely a lot of your building blocks for your professional career and those relationships that you have, because it's just such a small community. Um, within the film world, within like you know certain pockets and towns of you know where people do production, uh, but it all starts with you know doing really good work uh, with what you're passionate doing, and I think that'll help keep it exciting. You'll always you know you do j- the job still. But you'll be passionate about the, the other projects you have on the side that that you just love to do, and you won't kind of won't lose your first love mm. of, of why you got into you know the film business to to start with. So, I don't know, if yeah. I yeah, that'd be just something that was, was told to me when I was younger, and I can I can create you know and, and, and do something that I want to do. So instead of just always doing jobs, or else you know you'll just become a professional and you kind of grow stagnant with that that you know, creative intuition because those are the things that influence your commercial job i feel like you know so so keeping that intuitive sense of how to frame or or just having like no pressure to go and shoot just to go just to go shoot you know like that can help you know revitalize you so that you're a a lot better lensman when you're on a job you know it's anyways for whatever that's worth I i think you know that would be maybe just a something to hold on to that that was really important to me, you know, for my career was just start where you're at. And then once you are in your career, don't forget to do things that you're still passionate about.
0: That's great. Thanks again so much for being a part of this today. Um, It's just really inspiring to hear your story. And, uh, and I'm just really appreciative of you as a friend and just uh, fellow filmmakers. So yeah, we're just really thankful for you. So thanks for doing this.
1: Thanks, Garrett. Appreciate you having me.